With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Mr. Trump, it's Dixon White here, sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you sir is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable office. But So I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump. I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will, though, because at least I have white skin like you. But first, I wanted to applaud you for one thing, and only one thing. Um, many racists in politics are very covert. So I applaud you for being an open racist, and I applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are. And it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist. Um, there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the, the highest office offices in the land. But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries, poor, black, brown countries. So because they're poor, because they're black and brown and not white or European, you consider them shitholes. Well, I wanted to give you an accurate definition of a shithole nation. A shithole nation, by definition, would be a nation like America that allows and tolerates a racist to operate in their highest office, the presidency. That is a shithole nation nation that tolerates a racist president. There is no worse pile of shit or turd in the toilet out of all the other countries than a great nation like America that allows its president to be an open white supremacist and then to allow them to continue to function as president. That's the biggest turd in the pot. Or as you say, the biggest shithole. Why? Because you, Mr. Trump, are the shit, the turd, in the White House. That's staining and putting the foul odor all over our nation. And of course, the only reason you're there is because you're a racist. You're a complete and utter idiot. With no competency whatsoever to be where you're at. The only reason you're there is because we had a black president and our racist nation wanted a racist president after a black president. So until America can get past its racism, which I don't know if it ever has because there's one thing about black folks, Mr. Trump. Black folks have always understood one thing. The more things change in this country, the more they stay the same. You are living proof that any white person, no matter how racist they are, and matter of fact, racism is actually more of a compliment in this nation. It's like apple pie racism in America. They go hand in hand. If you're a white American, you're a racist, and you've and you've proven that. And not only you're racist, if you're a racist, you get rewarded for being a racist in this country. Why? 
because we are a racist organization called America. Fact. And nothing has changed. In 400 years, what has really changed? We're still seeing black and brown folks executed in the street. Not that you and Jeff Sessions or any of your racist motherfucking cabinet care. You don't give a fuck about justice for people of color. You're all a group of white nationalists. So I just want to tell you, here's one white guy, and I'm telling you personally, Donald Trump, kiss my white fat ass. I hate you, Donald Trump. I literally hate you. And I pray to God you get impeached. You're an embarrassment to our nation and upon the world. Please do us all a favor and resign. The only people that want you. This is Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. All right, everybody, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> and it is not funny. I don't know why I'm amusing, but it's going to be cold. Did they say that a winter storm warning is out for the city of Chicago and surrounding states? And if you are in one of those surrounding states or you're somewhere where uh, they're broadcasting, all over television and media, uh, internet and online and everything about winter storm warning. It's it's going to be effective through Friday. Okay, from the time of this uh, broadcast, this episode. Okay, um, yeah, and it says through Friday and next week we're going to get. I mean, the the cold has started and it hasn't really let up. I mean, people are still getting the flu. People are still down and out. People are sick as hell. Yours truly um, also. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit under the dumps. And it's a cold weather. I mean, it's something natural. I don't think it's something that's going to, I, I don't think I'm bad enough yet to go to a doctor because they're saying if you're not bad enough, you're not, if you're not dying, don't come to the clinic because it's overcrowded. Yeah, the hospitals and clinics are overcrowded with people uh, coming in for the flu. And the thing about it, our, I mean, this is a, a flu epidemic. I mean, this is one that the United States ha hasn't seen in the history of flu epidemics. This is a flu epidemic. Millions of people have gotten the flu. They do have the flu. And a lot of people have died from the flu. And you haven't heard one damn thing from the White House, from Donald Trump. Or the nation's doctor. Not one thing have we heard about this. They haven't got the flu, so they don't give a damn about if you have it. Uh, he hasn't said anything. He, he doesn't. Whenever we have a catastrophic chaos in the country, like wildfires burning in California, nothing from this jackass. Quakes, hurricanes, mass shootings. We hear nothing from the um, White House or Donald Trump. And if we do hear anything, you know, especially when, when gun violence or anything, because they're afraid that 
we're going to be ad- advocating taking away taking away guns. But generally speaking, this, I mean, this is a uh, the flu out the flu e- epidemic, and I'm going to say that because it is, and it's epic. It's epic. It's it's all over America. People are getting sick. And I say the same thing. If you if you have the flu, if you think you have the flu, or if you're feeling sick at all, do not go to work, because what you're going to do is give it to other people, and that's going to just you know exacerbate the problem, ex- expand the problem, you know, and it'd be a hard hard to get you know a handle on it. So if you're sick, stay home. I mean, uh, your your coworkers would appreciate that. Believe me, <laughs> even the supervisor or the manager, you know, will appreciate that. So stay home, but. Uh, but however, if you have to go out, make sure you bundle up. Bundling up uh, will keep you from getting the flu or maybe even keep it from getting even worse. You know, put on some clothes. There's too many people out here, elderly people also. Seniors, I see them all over the place, walking around with nothing on their heads, 20 below zero, the flu epidemic, when they're still out here, barely having anything on. A lot of these young ladies, you know, uh, uh, out here are we're barely wearing anything pertaining to trying to keep uh, keep yourself safe from this harsh weather. Uh, they want to look sexy. They want to show their butts off. You have to cover yourself up because, you know, if you, if you think about it, um, covering yourself up will probably uh, help you to live another day. You know, so, you know, cover yourself up, take care of yourself. You know, if, you, if you're on medication, take your medication uh, and, and, and stay bundled up because this stuff is coming. And they're saying uh, winter storm warning for Chicago, the Chicago area. Yeah, I mean, they're saying it's, uh, the snow is going to start. Uh, this is Thursday in the city of Chicago, February 8th. Okay, it's February 8th. Tomorrow is February 9th. Uh, how, however, if you, whenever you podcast this show, it will it will be a different date into the future. So I'm just talking about now. This is February 8th, and they're saying that in the city of Chicago, and they're saying that um, look out. The snow is coming. It's going to be six inches, nine inches, and it will continue into Friday, continue on into the weekend. So, you know, I'm just trying to reiterate what these people are saying. And they sound like they're, uh, they know what they're talking about. So, yeah. Uh, So uh, even I feel a little nauseous. I feel my, my throat feels a little scratchy and I know what it's from. It's it's from, uh, um, Going outside and doing this and doing that, you got to be out there. You got to go to work. You got to go to school. But as I've said before, cover up, bundle up. Yeah, you're cute. You're fine, but put on some clothes. You know, or are you going to wherever you're going, uh, to school or your job, you're going to affect other people when you get sick. And another thing, um, try to stay away from other people who you think are sick. You know, because if if yeah, they can blow on you, and all of a sudden you have the flu because you—they're you, blowing their germs on you. And try to wash your hands and, and all this kind of thing uh, to avoid the flu. But you got to also—you have to avoid others who are sick. You—you you have to avoid those people who refuse to stay home or refuse to uh, dress properly uh, because they may have 
the flu and you don't want it. You know, especially if you're in confined places like on the subway train in the morning rush hour, you know, and all these people are around you. You don't know who the hell they is, but they're all around you and everybody's you don't know who's sick and who's not. Even on the subway train and platform, if you know, if you have the flu, I mean, you know, you're gonna give it to other people. You know, um, because the flu and your cough will be in the air and it will be expanding all around and everybody on that first car or second car on that will get sick. There, there's no doubt about it. So keep yourself uh, bundled up when you go outside. And if you are sick, just call into work or call into your school or whatever you're going and say you can't make it because you have the flu or you feel like you have symptoms of the flu. Believe me, the other person on the end of the phone line will appreciate that. You know, but if you're going to go out, make sure you bundle up. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And uh, the the number one um, news in the city of Chicago is the storm, the winter storm coming. And what to expect, the biggest snowstorm of the season so far. It hasn't gotten here, but they say it's going to be the biggest snowstorm, excuse me, of the season so far and cold right along with it. And there are several things that we must do, my family and I, we have to do on on the uh, outside. But however, um, it, it it will not be gone, be get done. It will not get done until the the weather subsides a little bit. And there's also, I think the Olympics starts tonight, right? The Olympics, Pion Chain or something, Chang, oh, Pion Chang, um, North South Korea, uh, to that effect. It's going to be televised. Okay. All right, J.B. Prisker is running for governor, and this, this guy is slipping in the polls. He's running for governor in the state of Illinois. As a Democrat, he's running against Bruce Rauner, and he's slipping in a new poll as, as this gang's ground. Uh, you know, I was a, a supporter of J.B. Prisker, but since he made those awful statements uh, to uh, Rob Gorevich about African Americans, I've changed my votes. I've changed my, uh, I made up my mind. And now you get uh, now you got these uh, politicians who think they can sway your vote, telling you to stick with J.B. Prisker uh, after he said all those awful things, and he admit he said it, he said him, and uh, now they want you. But you know what? These so-called black leaders in the communities and and in the districts, I don't know where the hell they get off being labeling themselves as leaders. I don't see them doing anything. I don't see them. I don't hear about them. I don't see anything. I don't, there's nothing tangible. I can really, that, that could really have me to say that these people are actually leaders in the community. They just got their faces on television and expect for you to uh, vote for somebody they support. No way. I vote for who I want to. No one tells me how to vote, who to vote, and where to vote. Well, maybe where to vote, but no one tells me who to vote for and who not to vote for. That's my decision. And I think a lot of the people in the state of Illinois and in Chicago should adopt that. Don't be afraid because 
your senator or your representative is is supporting a candidate that you may not want to support. Think for yourself. Stop letting these people think for you. Be be your own leader. Make your own decisions. Vet the candidate themselves. Just because someone says vote for this particular person doesn't mean that you should. But do you want to stay within the party? I mean, there's three or four other candidates running for governor. I'm putting my money behind uh, Kennedy. I I was a uh, Prisker supporter, of course. I thought he was – the reason why I supported Prisker because he had the money uh, to – he's a billionaire, and he – Brown is a billionaire, and he could, you know, kind of – that that's kind of an even plane there. Kennedy doesn't have the money. He has the recognition, but he doesn't have the money that that Prisker has. But at least he hasn't said anything derogative, derogatory, but toward any group of people, as as J.P. Prisker has. Now Prisker is all <laughs> he's going all around Illinois on an apology tour, and he's only apologizing for one thing that he got caught. If he hadn't have got caught. We would have, we wouldn't be getting, we would not be getting, no such thing as a um, apology tour. Anyway, that's the world of politics. What can I say, folks? Uh, but it's up to the people of Illinois to vote their conscience, to vote their choice. Do not vote for someone because uh, a lot of other people are standing around this person and saying vote for this person. You vote for you vote your conscience. You you vet this person. Uh, vote for any person you want to vote for. Don't let nobody tell you who to vote for and who not to vote for. You may be voting for the wrong person. You know, if you want to vote for JB, vote for JB. If you want to vote for Kennedy, vote for Kennedy. If you want to vote for Bisk, vote for Bisk. But don't let anybody tell you to vote for someone who whom you may not want to vote for. But for God's sake, do not vote for Bruce Rauner. <laughs> He's another Republican that should not be in office. I'm speaking as an independent, but I, sometimes I lean dem, in, in the Democratic uh, column. You know. So, all right. So, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. My guest today is Irene Gable Nick. All right. She's going to be talking about relationships. All right, let's go and see what's going on. And I keep harping back to the weather, the bad weather in the city of Chicago that they say is coming. Now, the weather service, these guys and girls, sometimes they're very, very wrong and they're very, very off. But so far, they've been on the money. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe them on this one because even the sanitation crews are getting ready. And... And there has been uh, a shutdown of the Chicago public schools, the schools. Yeah, uh, the schools, there's no school tomorrow. It's a, it's a regular school day Friday, but because of the weather, the snow that's projected to come, there will be no school. And I'm pretty sure a lot of kids are just as static as they can be. As static as they can be. I mean, they're, bless their hearts, they're going to be out of school tomorrow because of the snow and the weather, the coldness, you know, so, uh, yeah, well, parents, 
I hear you. I, I understand. Believe me, I understand. But there's nothing we can do because I think it's better if they stay home, uh, avoid all that you know, snow and stuff and school bus traffic and all this kind of thing. Uh, stay home. But parents, but parents who are working and have jobs, they're going to have to find a way to find to find uh, some sort of daycare or babysitting job or someone to, you know, sit with their kids while they're at work. Uh, that's one of the things, because a lot of the parents who have kids in public schools, they work every day. You, you know, so I, be, I was there. So I've been there. So I understand parents, believe me. When you when you're up on the clock, you got to get to work. You can't find anyone to sit with your child. I know. Believe me, I know. I mean, but those days are gone for me. And thank God, you know. All right, and that's another story for another time. All right, uh, Irene uh, Gabriel Nick. Okay, I'm I'm hoping I'm pronouncing her name. Okay, if she's listening, she's probably laughing, right? Okay, Irene Gabriel Nick on on relationships on the George Wilder Jr. show. And they're still talking impeachment of Donald Trump. I guess that will never stop. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> Making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, it looks like it's going to be another shutdown. Just a week or a week and a half after the first shutdown in 2018, it appears another one is on the way because they have a few hours to try to stop it. And what I'm seeing here is that shutdown prep begins. It's a, it's a shame. We got these politicians, Democrats, Republicans, and they cannot seem to get anything right get anything done and letting the letting america fall into the sewer because they can't agree on this or that and taking america down with it i i just you know it's just it's 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 puzzling white house tells government to get ready for a shutdown trump i mean this guy he wants a shutdown. He wanted it. What kind of president would call for a shutdown of his own country? Donald Trump. It's just sad that a leader of his own country will call for hurting his country. White House tells government to get ready for a shutdown. Donald Trump has been saying he welcome a shutdown. He would love a shutdown. Now he looks like it looks it. 
it looks as if, let me say that, he's going to get it. Congress has until midnight tonight to avert another lapse in funding. They have a two um they have a two year funding bill already, but however uh the House doesn't seem like it's going to get on board with the Senate version of it. This is what I'm hearing okay i don't you know I'm... okay, everybody's uh wondering if there's gonna be a shutdown tonight. I think it will i mean what uh you got about six five and a half hours six hours from now uh you think they're gonna uh Pull something out of the ass to keep the uh, the country open? I don't know. The White House has begun advising parts of the government to prepare for another shutdown. That's, that's crazy. Two shutdowns so far within the Trump administration. The second uh, shutdown, he pushes. He pushes for a shutdown. I can say and the Democrats are pushing for it too because uh, the latest funding bill that the Republicans have come up with, they do not have any protections for the dreamers. The Washington Post reported on Thursday, hours before the Congress, hours before Congress uh, midnight deadline to pass a new budget. This was reported. Okay. Oh man, another government shutdown. This is just crazy. And everybody in in the in America is supposed to get ready and prepare for a shutdown as of tonight, as of uh, February 9th. So therefore, as of February 8th, I'm sorry, tomorrow, February 9th, we will be in a shutdown. Not a partial shutdown, not a half shutdown. We'll be in another shutdown. How long it will last, nobody knows. Not even the people in Congress, not even the people we voted for, the representatives, they don't even know. Congress was scrambling to avoid such a recurrence Thursday, and the Senate was poised to pass a sweeping measure that included sharp raises in spending limits for the military and the federal debt limit. But Senator Rand Paul on Thursday evening moved to delay the chamber's vote with a lengthy speech in which he derided the bill's additions to the federal deficit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, but at least it would it, at least it would keep the um, government open. And he says, I'm quoting him: "I can, in good honesty and all faith, just look the other way because my party is now complicit in the deficits," Paul said on the Senate floor. In addition. Democratic members of the House have voiced opposition to the deal's lack of protections for young undocumented immigrants, also known as DREAMers. House Minority Leader, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from California, gave a eight-hour speech on the House floor Wednesday. The longest such speech the longest such speech in action in history. Well, as if uh, one of the things that Nancy Pelosi got out of that eight-hour speech is that it was the longest one in history. But that's about all it did. It didn't change anybody's mind. <laughs> well, now she'll go down in history as 
the longest person who on the House floor and uh, giving a long uh, speech, eight hour speech. She's 77 years old and she stood up for eight hours. Wow, that should give a lot of us uh, <laughs> a lot of confidence when it comes to uh, health. Yeah, she stood up there for um, uh, eight hours and she's 77 years old. I'm pretty sure she'll be 78 this year somewhere. But uh, that should give us give us a lot of uh, momentum to to say that we can do anything we want to do, right? And she's the Speaker of the House. I do remember when she was in the majority position. The Democrats lost. They they are always losing. I think, you know, the caving in and all that kind of thing. <clears throat> okay, the George Wilder Jr. Show is here. Is George Carlin? He's talking about getting old. Perhaps you've noticed we no longer have old people in this country. They're all gone now, replaced by senior citizens. Somehow we wound up with millions of these unfortunate creatures known as golden agers or mature adults. These are cold, lifeless, antiseptic terms, typically American, all ways of sidestepping the fear of aging. And it's not difficult to understand the fear of aging. It's natural and it's universal. No one wants to get old. No one wants to die. But we do. We die. And we don't like that. So we shade the truth. I started doing it when I reached my 40s. I'd look in the mirror at that time and think, well, I guess I'm getting older. That sounded a little better than old. Sounded like it might even last a bit longer. But people forget that older is comparative, and they use it as an absolute. She's an older woman. Oh, really? Older than what? Than she used to be? Well, yeah. So? People think getting old is bad because they think being old is bad. But you know something? Being old is just fine. In fact, it can be terrific. And anyway, it's one of those things you don't get to choose. It's not optional. But that insufferable group among us known as baby boomers, ages 42 through 59, as of 2005, are beginning to get old, and they're having trouble dealing with that. Remember, these baby boomers are the ones who gave us this soft, politically correct language in the first place. So rather than admit they're getting old, the baby boomers have come up with a new term to describe themselves as they approach the grave. They don't care for middle-aged, so instead, get this, folks, instead, they claim to be pre-elderly. Don't you love that? Pre-elderly. It's a real word. You don't hear it a lot, but it's out there. The boomers claim that if you're between 50 and 65, you're pre-elderly. But I'd be willing to bet that in 2011, when they begin turning 65, they will not be calling themselves elderly. I have a hunch they'll come up with some new way of avoiding reality. And I have a suggestion for them. They should call themselves the pre-dead. It's a perfect term because for them, it's accurate. And it's highly descriptive. By the way, those ever-clever boomers have also come up with a word to describe the jobs they feel are most suitable for retired people who wish to keep working. They call these jobs elder-friendly. Isn't that sad? God, that's just really, really sad. And so, to sum it up, we have these senior citizens, 
And whether I like that phrase or not, unfortunately, I got used to it, and I no longer react too violently when I hear it. But there is still one description for old people that I'll never accept. That's when I hear someone describe an old guy as being, for instance, 80 years young. Even though I know it's tongue-in-cheek, it makes my skin crawl. It's overly cute and precious, and it's an evasion. It's junk language. On CBS's 60 Minutes, Leslie Stahl, God help her, actually referred to some old man as being a 90-something. Please, Leslie, I need a small personal break here. One last pathetic example in this category. On the radio, I heard Matt Drudge actually refer to people of age. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He said the West Nile virus is a particular threat to people of age. Poor Matt. Apparently, he's more fucked up than he seems. Now, going to an adjacent subject, one unfortunate fact of life for many of these 80 or 90-somethings is that they're forced to live in places where they'd rather not be. Old people's homes. So what name should we use for these places where we hide our old people? When I was a little boy, there was a building in my neighborhood called the Home for the Aged. It had a copper sign on the gate. Home for the Aged. It always looked deserted. I never saw anyone go in. Naturally, I never saw anyone come out, either. Later, I noticed people started calling those places nursing homes and rest homes. Apparently, it was decided that some of these old people needed nurses, while others just needed a little rest. What you hear them called now is retirement homes, or long-term care facilities. There's another one of those truly bloodless terms, long-term care facilities. But actually, it makes sense to give it a name like that, because if you do, you make it a lot easier for the person you're putting in there to acquiesce and cooperate with you. I remember old people used to tell their families, Whatever you do, don't put me in a home. Please, don't put me in a home. But it's hard to imagine one of them saying, Whatever you do, don't put me in a long-term care facility. So calling it that is really a trick. Come on, Grandpa, it's not a home. It's a long-term care facility. By the way, while we're on this subject of the language of getting old, I want to tell you something that happened to me in New York on a recent evening. I was standing in line at the Carnegie Deli to pay my check, and there was a guy ahead of me who looked like he was in his 60s. He gave the cashier a $10 bill, but apparently it wasn't enough. When the cashier mentioned it to him in a nice way, he said, Oh, I'm sorry, I guess I had a senior moment. And I thought how sad that was. To blame a simple mistake on the fact that you're in your 60s, even if you're just sort of joking. As if anyone would think a 20-year-old couldn't make the same mistake. I only mention this because it's an example of how people can brainwash themselves by adopting popular language. I wanted to pull them aside and say, Listen, I just heard you refer to yourself as a senior. And I wanted to ask, were you by any chance a junior last year? Because if you weren't a junior last year, then you're not a senior this year. I wanted to say it, but I figured, why would he listen to me? After all, I'm still a freshman.
All right, that was George Carlin on the George Wilder Jr. show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, it's a cold day in the city of Chicago. It's going to be a, uh, they, they're talking about storms and all this kind of thing. And um, and I was just alluding to people um, trying to keep themselves safe from getting the flu because there is an epidemic of this. And uh, we, we're going to get a round of storms in the Midwest, snowstorms and, you know, all this. And it's going to be one big mess, one big mess. But we're going to get over this. I just stay positive, stay positive, stay positive, and we will get over this. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. No one to put you out. 
were two of the 11 people featured in those images of Team Trump, only the president and vice president are still standing. And the last departure, Rob Porter raises pointed questions about why the White House would hire and then defend a man accused of domestic violence. Joe, we'll get to all the details behind that disturbing story. But overall, it just seems like the Trump administration, the White House, has a hiring problem, to say the least. Yeah, well, you know, they really do have a hiring problem. It's expanded out now. We now have a John Kelly problem. Uh, a lot of stories just seem to have been breaking uh, that show General Kelly in a terrible light, whether it's calling dreamers lazy, saying that a lot of dreamers were, quote, too lazy to get off their asses, or whether uh, it was here where he called this man who was twice accused of abusing his spouses uh, a man of great character. They knew about it going in. He wasn't given a security clearance, and yet uh, he was able to do things that he should not have been able to do. Uh, there is absolute chaos in this White House, and of course it starts at the top. When you have the President of the United States yesterday, when he's supposed to be in an intel briefing, briefing in all, all caps that the FBI, new FBI texts are bombshells, and then you have Ron Johnson, who of course was famous recently because he started the Harry Potter secret society, FBI secret society conspiracy theory, which was a lie and was proven to be a lie. Uh, and now he's uh, Donald Trump after saying the new FBI texts are bombshells. Then you have Ron Johnson, or I don't know whether we should call him Harry, Ron Johnson now spinning up a new conspiracy theory. Get this that Barack Obama was interfering in Hillary Clinton's investigation, and he was sure that these new emails, texts prove that. There's only one problem. The Hillary Clinton investigation, for all practical purposes, was over. Barack Obama was about to go to Russia for, and, and, and confront Vladimir Putin on him trying to meddle in American democracy, and he wanted the information from that, which, of course, brings one more disturbing question to light. The president's text really is a bombshell because it shows that Barack Obama was actually very focused and concerned on the Russians hacking American democracy. But this president doesn't give a damn. He just doesn't care. So that really is, that is the bombshell of those texts yesterday. And we're going to be going deeper in that with a great Wall Street Journal reporter who uh, broke this story yesterday. Well, uh, we start there on this Thursday, February 8th. With us, we have veteran columnist and MSNBC contributor Mike Barnacle, NBC News national political reporter Heidi Prisbilla, Republican communications strategist and MSNBC contributor Rick Tyler, and White House reporter for the Associated Press, Jonathan Lemire. Good to have you all on board this morning. So the Trump administration is in damage control mode this morning after one of the president's most trusted advisors announced he is resigning. The move by staff secretary Rob Porter comes after his two ex-wives came forward with graphic stories and in one case photos of domestic abuse. NBC News White House correspondent Kristen Welker has the details. 
Shockwaves at the White House after one of the president's most trusted advisors, Rob Porter, resigned amid allegations by two ex-wives of verbal and physical abuse. Porter sits outside the Oval Office and controls all the documents that land on the president's desk. In a statement, Porter called the claims outrageous and simply false and a coordinated smear campaign. The president and chief of staff have had full confidence and trust in his abilities and his performance. Overnight, chief of staff John Kelly called Porter a man of integrity, even as the reports of abuse by Porter first appeared in the Daily Mail, including this picture of Porter's first ex-wife, Colby Holderness, who told the paper Porter punched her, giving her this black eye soon after their 2003 marriage. Holderness also alleges Porter choked her and emotionally abused her. Porter firing back. I took the photos given to the media nearly 15 years ago, and the reality behind them is nowhere close to what is being described. Porter's second ex-wife, Jennifer Willoughby, told the Daily Mail, Porter dragged her wet and naked out of the shower and was verbally abusive, an account she confirms to NBC News. NBC News has also obtained a 2010 protective order, where Willoughby told police during their separation Porter ignored her multiple requests to leave her home and at one point punched in the glass on the door. I called the police afraid that he would break in, she said. Mounting questions about how Porter was given such close access to the president and the documents that crossed his desk. A former White House official says Chief of Staff John Kelly was aware of the allegations of abuse before the story broke. Two sources familiar with the matter tell NBC News it is believed Porter was never given full security clearance, although it's not clear why. The administration now on defense. I think that was a personal decision that Rob made uh, and one that he was not pressured to do, but one that he made on his own. Now, um, multiple outlets are reporting that Porter is dating communications director Hope Hicks, who plays a role in all public statements from the White House, including those that were sent out in Porter's defense. And last night, Chief of Staff John Kelly released a second statement on the matter. His updated response reads in part, I was shocked by the new allegations released today against Rob Porter. There is no place for domestic violence in our society. I stand by my previous comments of Rob Porter that I have come to know since becoming Chief of Staff and believe every individual deserves the right to defend their situation. Um, but I just don't... These Aren't these documents a part of a review before somebody enters the White House? I'm confused, Joe. What, what, what's your... Well, they certainly are. Mike, Mike Barnacle, uh, this has been out there for since 2010. It once again shows what, uh, you know, how fast and loose this White House runs uh, with, with, with so many things, including scre screening individuals that work in the White House. But let's talk for a second about the John Kelly problem. Uh, we've... we've uh, said in the past that we were glad he was there. I've got to say, uh, in a week where he said that some dreamers were just too lazy, uh, and uh, and and now saying that this man ha has high integrity when sources say he knew about the two domestic abuse charges, certainly reflects poorly on the general. Joe, yesterday I spoke with four different individuals who worked with General Kelly when he was working for Leon Panetta at the Defense Department. Uh, when he was running the Southern Command uh, down in Florida, in the United States Marine Corps, uh, and people who have known him for quite some time. And the common consensus, the common question that each of them raised uniquely in pretty much the same language is, what has happened to John Kelly? 
and that we don't know. But what we do know is that the FBI engages in security clearance info uh, for people potentially working at the White House, and they clear them to certain levels of a security clearance. Rob Porter, apparently, never had the highest security clearance. The chief of staff would know that. Any chief of staff would know that. The natural question you would ask is, why not? Why doesn't he receive right. the highest security clearance? You would then be told by the FBI why he has it. The, the question is, why was nothing done or addressed about this situation prior to this week? And Heidi, uh, what, what are you hearing? What's the story behind this? How did this man sit outside the White House, uh, the Oval Office, uh, as long as he did, without somebody flagging? Uh, these past domestic abuse charges and flagging the fact that he couldn't get uh, the top security clearance. Well, the strong piece of information is that somebody did know for all of the reasons that you outlined that this is exactly the type of information that was given to the FBI in the course of the screening process and that would be very hard to believe that it was not passed on to the White House and to John Kelly. And the striking thing here, Joe, <coughs> is that Rob Porter is not denying this. The question is not, did you take the picture? The question is, did you throw the punch? And he's not denying it. The, the information is that most likely this was handed off. And you have two potential ethical violation questions here. The first is, what did they know? When did they know it? Why didn't they do anything about it? And the second is the situation with Hope Hicks and the fact that she was involved in crafting this statement in defense of a man who she was in a relationship with. And, and this is just the latest example on the pile of ethics questions swirling around this White House. So, Jonathan Lemire, um, I mean, I'm not sure what more there is to say about this. It doesn't seem like their screening process, their standards in terms of quality of people that they hire uh, is even halfway up to par. Yeah, and John Kelly is yeah. going to be the central figure in this yeah. story going forward, it appears. Yeah, but I will uh, say about Rob Porter, he's certainly not the household no, name that some of the other departures were. He's not Steve Bannon. He's not Reince Priebus. He's certainly not Anthony Scaramucci. But he's someone who really grew in stature in the White House once Kelly took over as chief of staff. In many ways, he was Kelly's right-hand man. He helped control the flow of information to the president. He was a frequent presence at Trump's side, whether that was in the Oval Office or on Air Force One. He was on his Asia trip, and he is someone who helped craft the State of the Union, and a lot of people in the White House who feel like the policy rollout has really improved in recent months give Porter a lot of credit. And this is yet another moment where someone who has been given a vital role in this White House, someone who the American people, of course, are entrusting to do the country's business, you know, has comes in with all of these questions and has seemed to let inside the door where the screening process, you know, clearly was insufficient uh, to let him in. Thanks for checking out MSNBC on YouTube and make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the day's biggest. Yeah, welcome back to the George Wanda Jr. Show. I totally agree. I, th I think the White House have, has a hiring problem. They can't hire a majority of the people surrounding Donald Trump in his circle have been have left the White House. For one scandal or crime or next. They have left the White House. And he's right. Joe is right. The, there's only two people standing now so far. And that's Donald Trump and Mike Pence, who will soon go down as soon as Robert Mueller uh, hands out these indictments.
get his ass up out of that White House. I mean, really take him out of the White House. You know, uh, the guy's unfit. They have, I mean, I've said this several times. They have just ruined the right, the White House. Remember when the White House was something that we we all looked up to? Remember we used to, uh, some of us tell our kids, you can grow up to be anything you want to be, a senator, a representative, even, a pres- even the president of the United States. That's no more. These people, I mean, who would want their kid to grow up to be president of the United States and be involved in something, what's going on uh, right now at this minute inside that White House? Mafia Don, Donald Trump. You know, I mean, he has, I mean, he and his surrogates, uh, Kellyanne Conway, or a lot of these, and you wonder where, where, where they dig these people up from and put them on television and act as if they know every damn thing and and we the viewing public we don't know anything i i just think it's crazy for donald trump and his goons to think that the american people are dumb and stupid but they do in order to in order for someone to think someone else is dumb and stupid they have to be dumb and stupid to even think that and you know it's just awful and I want to say welcome to the George Wanda Jr. Show. I'm a little bit under the weather, folks. Maybe that's why I don't sound as <laughs> as out there as I have always sounded. I mean, when, when you when you are under the weather or you have a, a slight illness, you know, sometimes that takes a little bit of the air out of you. But anyway, I, I want to say this again. It's going to be co- another cold night. They're saying it's going to be the snow is going to be up to here. So I, I'm just saying to a lot of people, um, uh, be careful out there. Make sure you dress properly. Um, drink your coffee or your fluids to try to help keep you warm if you're out there. Uh, be careful. It's going to be a lot of snow, snow, ice, and sleet. Be careful when you're walking across the street. You don't want to fall or anything. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We go, since this is, I'm always thinking, this is uh, Black History Month. But somehow Black History Month do not get the accolades that it used to, you know? I mean, it's just another month. It's just another um, – I think March is Hispanic month. Month. I, I could be wrong, but I know it's somewhere around this time. Anyway, Black History Month, I, it doesn't get the notoriety that it once had, once had because a lot of the public schools, I believe, uh, they're not teaching, teaching history. So they're not teaching history, and I've said this before. So it's up to us parents to teach our child, uh, children, child or children, uh, the history of of the world and the history of the United States. You know, uh, they need to know that. A lot of these schools aren't doing that. A lot of a lot of the schools don't even they don't even have homework. Uh, two plus two is not four anymore. I don't know. You you gotta you you gotta work a long division problem to to get the answer. And it will not be four. <laughs> I was shocked when I saw that. You know, he came home with homework one day when he was in uh, grammar school. And uh, he had math. He was doing his homework at that time when they gave homework because they don't give it no more. And I, I was shocked to find out there was some sort of solution, a well-rounded solution, uh, trying to figure out what two plus two is. I'm going, whoa, 
But um, this is where we're at, folks. This is where we're at. And um, because of the weather tomorrow, okay, in the city of Chicago, uh, there will be no schools. I, I'm, I'm thinking throughout Illinois or wherever the snow is falling down within Illinois, there is no school for um, children. You know, I think that's a shame. I think I think the kids love it. Uh, a lot of them are going to be out there playing in the snow, having a great time throwing snowballs and all that kind of thing. But then the parents are going to have a headache because they go because they have to scramble now to uh, find a place to keep their children while they work because of uh, you know there being no school. And I hope everybody have a a <clears throat> have a you know, I just trying to think positive and say, hey, well, I hope you uh, uh, find somewhere to, uh, for your kids to uh, hang out while you're working, maybe a daycare center, a friend, a relative. You know, there's some ideas you can, I can throw out there for you to try to help you find uh, uh, daycare support for your child uh, while you're working tomorrow because there is no school because of the harsh weather that is reported to be on the way. You know, so, and my guest, Irene Gabrielnik, uh, she emailed me and said that she could not do the show because it was not in her time. It, it was not, she could not do the show because, you know, it was the wrong time for her. She said she didn't, uh, she, the time was all off for her and she couldn't do the show because, you know, uh, she was so busy and she couldn't do the show because the time uh, was not adequate adequate uh for her to be on the show i mean she wanted me to change the time around and and enter uh so she can be on the show uh, next week but i have to turn the turn uh the time around to uh uh for her liking before she could be on the show you know uh when i sent out uh irene if you're listening when i sent out ads or um advertising ads or publicity for the show i specifically put down the times of the show which is the show starts from six o'clock to 7 30 p.m in the evening specifically that's it you know and you uh you returned backs saying that you wanted to be on the show Okay, even supposedly you read what the show is all about. You read the the bio, what time the show is on. You've read all of those things. Uh, I made it clear and specific. The show, I cannot do my show around you, and that's not going to happen. I'm not going to go uh, uh, create a a show just to have you on when I, when it was specifically told to you that the show starts at six o'clock and your interview is at six thirty. Okay. Uh and I sent you all of that information and you've and you've seen it elsewhere online. The starts of the show. And for you to say, well I missed your show because well I missed your <laughs> But she said, uh, well, I miss your show because I, I, it, I just uh, make up a time for me where I can be on because those times are not good for me. Well, then you won't be on because I'm not going to do anything, change anything about the format of my show to please you, whom I don't know. 
I'm not about to please anybody. You want to be on the show or you don't want to be on the show. You adhere to the times of the show to be on or you don't. I'm not losing anything. You're not losing anything. All right, the George Wilder Jr. show is, is on the air. I just want to say that because she did email me and saying that she could not do the show because of the times that I offered her. And I'm saying, hey, wow, that's the time of the show. You can do it or you can't do it. it it's not going to bother me if you do it or you don't do it. But don't try to call in and say create a show specifically for you because you can't make the time that I told you that that is required for the show. No way. It's not going to happen. I've had that happen before, you know, so it, it ain't going to happen. So either you, um, it may look as if I'm not going to uh, book her anymore. You know, I mean, it, it's up to her. I don't deal with people who, uh, who don't follow the rules. And I mean, it's free. She doesn't have to pay anything to be on the show. So, you know, and, and you don't come on and try to tell me how to run my show when I've been running, when I've been doing this for four years. So I wish her all the best. All right. And I'm sorry, folks, if you were out there expecting Irene Gable, Nick, um, she will not be on the show. So tune in next week. We're, we're going to have a whole slew of guests and uh, we'll make up for this, this something that didn't happen. But if you realize, if you've been listening to the George Bonner Jr. show uh, for a while, you know that. Every day, basically, there is a guest on the show. There is always a guest on the show, unless I purposely not book anybody. But there basically is always a guest on the show. If you listen to the show and you don't hear a guest on the show, that means that guest has canceled, dropped out, or either just forgotten that they were supposed to be on. Like uh, Irene Gablenick. But it doesn't bother me. And sometimes when a guest actually appears on the show, I'm surprised because I'm thinking, well, uh, but then, you know, someone shows up and they give a great interview and um, it's all good. It's all good. But I'm not going to be putting up with guests who try to control the show, control me and tell me what to do and not to do and how to do it when it's my show. You know? All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And it is Black History Month. We're going to do something once again by Martin Luther King, folks. I'm doing more. I, I probably going to be doing this. Uh, this, excuse me, I can't talk. Um, this I Have a Dream speech all month because it's Black History Month. So it's a beautiful speech. It's not a, uh, it's not a one-sided speech. It's not a speech just for one uh, kind of people. I think it's a, I think Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech is a dream for all people, all Americans, people all around the world. It's such a wonderful speech. It's a speech that's it, it's it. It's a speech that's saying racism should not be tolerated. Among any type of people, not just African-Americans, but any type of people. And that's what I love about this speech. And he was a great orator. He could speak. He could uh, move you. He could move the crowds. I remember the time when he used to record albums. His speeches were on records, on CDs. <laughs> and uh, they were just that great. Here's Martin Luther King. I have a dream.
At this time, I have the honor to present to you the moral leader of our nation. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. One hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. One hundred years later, the, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize the shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. that the Bank of Justice is bankrupt. 
We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. So we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. We have also come to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of the moment. This sweltering summer of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until there is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hoped that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. But that is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protests to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. And the marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. 
they have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied. As long as our body is heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity by signs stating for whites only. We cannot be satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I am not my unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jail cells. And some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storms of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities. Knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal.
have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith. We will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the crevaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, 
we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Bundle up, folks. The snowstorm is coming, and it's going to drop <laughs> several feet of snow, from what I'm hearing. Several inches into feet. And uh, that's going to be happening all around uh, the Midwest. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, I believe Detroit. Uh, if you look at some of these weather.
it's going, going to be uh, something else here in the city of Chicago. Matter of fact, the snow has started falling now. I can see it out, out my studio window here. It's starting to fall now. And uh, make sure you guys are, you know, uh, uh, bundled up out here. Whether you're on the train, walking in your car, you know, uh, bundled up. You don't want to get the flu, you know. I mean, I've seen people out here who refuse to wear gloves. Uh, you got to cover up because any part of your is frostbite. That means you could lose a finger, a toe, or whatever, you know, because you don't want to bundle up. But bundle up out here. It's going to be a mess. Uh, the weekend's coming up, and it's going to be something else, the cold, the snow. I mean, I'm just repeating myself over and over again, but this is something to be repeated over and over again. You know, so bundle up, everybody. And, and if you're in a warm climate, God bless you. <laughs> we wish we were there. But we're not so um, – we're not that fortunate, maybe. Uh, but still and all, uh, keep yourself safe. Keep yourself from getting the flu because it can be deadly, Okay. So uh, just adhere to those couple of things, and we'll see you on Monday. Yeah, we're off the air, folks. We won't. We, we will not be back here. I'm still a little bit under the weather, so everybody take care. Have a great weekend. Have a great evening. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.